why why am I dealing with paper receipts? And um, my roommate sold his car. I took what money I had, and my marketing professor gave me a few thousand dollars. And I was like, I'm gonna go solve this receipt problem. Ivan, I'm excited to continue our conversation now hearing more about your journey. As a leader, 10 years you've been running uh, this business. I imagine it's not been the same as you started out <laughs> in mind. Yeah. Talk to me about like how has it evolved? How has it changed? You, tell me about your story. Uh, so my favorite story to tell is actually where I started Spengo. So it was uh, out of college. Um, my parents would make me fill out expense reports when I spent their money. And I got to do whatever I wanted with my money, but their money, I better get an expense report in before the end of the month so they can approve the charges. I like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was out of that, you know, the Apple store really brought like digital receipts and some e-commerce features in store for the first time. And I was like, why, why am I dealing with paper receipts? And um, my roommate sold his car. I took what money I had and my marketing professor gave me a few thousand dollars and I was like, I'm going to go solve this receipt problem. Um, and you know, built this awesome digital receipt tool and I was going to, you know, go be Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. And what I found out was, Oh shoot, integrating with point of sale systems is really hard. I wish I had done that first. Um, and that was really the inspiration for how we got into creating a patent and solving for the integration problem first. Um, from there, what we found was, you know, uh, some of these features and capabilities just weren't enough on their own. So that's when we pivoted about four years ago to being really a marketing solution and marketing company. You know, early on, uh, we we're just trying to figure out the tech and, you know, getting some initial buy-in. But I'd say four years ago is really when we said, hey, we're going to be a loyalty marketing engagement company. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of success from there. That, uh, you mentioned the patent, patented technology. That's like one of your core abilities that definitely differentiates you. Uh, it's a great way to then take something you've invested in and then pivot to a new opportunity. Yeah, exactly. For, for that initial growth, okay, your clients that you get on for the first part of the company and then it goes into the second, I imagine they, they can transition. Can you, is there any sh uh, learnings that you can share of, of being able to scale up and get more clients? Any tactics that you're like, okay, this really worked that another entrepreneur could learn? Yeah, from? so for us, we're on the B2B side. So our tactics are very different than someone who's selling B2C. Um, what we found was relationships and referrals um, from other folks that people in the organization already trusted made a difference. And it's, uh, there's, in a B2B sale, it's very similar to fundraising to a degree, right? They want an introduction and somebody who can vouch for you. Um, you have to make a compelling business case. And you also, everyone asks you, well, if Google does it, why would we, you know, what, what is there stopping Google from doing it, right? And, you know, everyone, every customer says, what is to stop XYZ big company and us just using their feature instead of yours? So you kind of always have to make the same pitch and same case. It's very similar in that sense. Um, and no one buys on the first day, right? So a lot of times you're pitching them this year, hoping that next year they're going to say yes. Um, so, you know, what we found is that relationship building was still the most effective. 
um, you know, especially on the mid-market and uh, enterprise side. On the SMB front, uh, it really comes down to scaling partners and making sure that your solution is easy for the partner to sell. Um, a lot of times people forget about, you know, oh, this is going to be a great partnership. If only you sold this to X percent of your existing customers, you would kill it, right? And, you know, we've really taken the approach of, well, who's that salesperson at this organization calling the customer at the end of the day? And how do we make it compelling for them? How do we make them look good? And that's always how we think about it uh, when we approach a partnership. Those are two really powerful things. First, on the, the larger side, when you're approaching them, it's, it's the relationships and not assuming that in three or six months, you're like, all right, sale done. It could be a year uh, yeah. or, or longer, and it's just keeping up with them. Um, the SMB having those partners, I'm imagining it's those other distributors, those selling point of sale or other uh, yeah, things. Or payments or online ordering, things that you know we are a great add-on for a natural uh, partner for. And you're like getting in the mindset of that, that salesperson. How can you make that yeah. look? That's what you found as was the winner. To yeah, it, it is exactly. If that person doesn't say it, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter, right? I can have the best relationship in the world with the executive team. Uh, if that person at the front line isn't thinking about us and isn't going, these guys are going to help me win deals. They make me look good. Um, you, you know, they're not going to bring you into any conversation, right? You, you know, that, that person's thinking, I want to look good to this customer so that they tell the next guy that we're awesome and make my next sale easier. Right. And, uh, you know, getting that first deal together is really, really hard, but once you get the first few and if customers are happy, uh, word spreads in the sales organization. So it's about building that initial success and, uh, being really high touch to make sure the first ones go well. Mm. There's no shortcut, unfortunately. It's uh, hard. Do the hard okay. work, and that's that's the best shortcut there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all wish for something else, a different answer. But yeah, that's that's the truth of it. Now, your job as a leader is to be able to build the organization that that can ha happen. How is the team of all? How many team members do you have today? Uh, so we are 15 people that work directly on with Spango, but the team scales up to about 50, depending on what the requirements are for customers. Gotcha. Any tips and, and thoughts that you can share uh, on and developing a good team that can execute on this vision? Yeah, so we're super lucky in that our technical leadership actually started with us in the U.S., and then they ended up moving overseas. Um, and we're able to open an overseas office uh, with someone that we had a great relationship with, with someone that we trusted to manage folks. Uh, it's really a, we feel a big differentiator for us because uh, most organizations that hire overseas development, that tends to be looked down upon. Uh, for us, we haven't found the same drop off of effectiveness. And for us, you know, we have a great relationship between our U.S. development team and our overseas one because we have a few core people that, you know, really facilitate that communication. Um, and, you know, we basically get the advantage of we're developing 24 hours a day. Like, we're nonstop uh, because it's just a seamless handoff and transition between the organizations. Um, not everyone gets that. So, you know, uh, the probably the lesson is finding people that you really – trust and have relationships with to 
build remote offices or remote teams like that. Um, nowadays, you know, and this is something we were starting before COVID, is really this notion of complete remote work. So no notion of, you know, San Francisco versus Indian developers, just a development team and there's no home base, right? Um, that's something we've been moving to prior to COVID, so it was an easy transition for us. Uh, but what I find is it really comes down to how committed the management is to remote work, right? And if the management's still going into office, well, there's going to be an implicit bias towards going into office because you're going to get noticed and you're going to get the promotion where someone else won't. If you're really committed to that remote work concept, uh, the, the management and the hiring decision makers need to also be remote. Looking forward, um, what challenges do you see that you're going to need to overcome for continued growth? Uh, maybe even considering these circumstances um, and for uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, you know, in, a, in our industry, a lot of it is relationship-based, like I said, and it's really hard to build relationships uh, remotely, right? Uh, you look like anyone, you know, to a degree, right? You're all reaching out through this computer screen on LinkedIn, and it puts even more onus on referrals and reputation, uh, which, you know, we fortunately built over time, right? And people like us and, you know, no assholes on our team type of thing. And uh, we've been able to build that. But if you're brand new, uh, I see that as a really big challenge, right? Especially starting a new venture where you have to break through and be trusted against all the other people on the internet coming at the same time, selling to the same person. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, again, it comes down to the relationships and finding the best way to build those. So create value for the other person, I guess, is, you know, not value from your product, but value in general mm -hmm. is uh, really one way to set yourself apart. Communi communicating now completely remote, you made a good point of seem like everyone else. <laughs> it's hard to, to stand out. Any thoughts on, on kind of tactics that you think are going to work well moving forward to keep those relationships alive and the way you communicate? Yeah, I mean, something I like to use personally is when I notice the brand that I'm engaging with, whether it be a partner or a client, and I notice them do something cool or interesting, I just congratulate them on that, right? Everyone likes to be congratulated about something. And it's not like the, the BS congratulations you get on LinkedIn invites that are like, oh, I've seen your business do really successful in, you know, insert company name here, right? It's more about saying, oh, I saw you launch a blog. That's awesome. Congratulations. Or I really like this piece of content that you published and reference the content specifically. Um, you know, it, again, like uh, it, it's not trying to hack everything right and do like just the quick volume game um especially on the mid-market and enterprise it's really about uh standing out and providing something genuine people can smell through it and since everyone's moving to digital there's just so much now of that yeah uh, the number of lead gen companies that reach out to me about how many new deals i'm going to sign and this great list and that great list it's just yeah um, unbelievable mm -hmm. 
So talking about how you learn as a leader, are there any good books, audiobooks, podcasts that you would uh, recommend or you, you found uh, has been helpful? Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, probably a lot of my reading uh, is probably tied up in more article-based content as opposed to books. It's, you know, finding case studies or examples of people doing something interesting that's really more the short form factor content is what I found to be effective for me on the reading side. Um, you know, but I still like reading the economist and all that to just keep up to date on things. Uh, in terms of podcasts, I like to listen to the startup chat. It's a great like, you know, SAS podcast. They talk about, you know, different subjects in 15 minute increments. So really digestible. Um, and then you can always dive deeper from there. Uh, you know, reading a blog about it or something like that, but it just kind of gets you going and kind of starts the rabbit hole about a subject that you might be interested in. Uh, and then the last thing I like to listen to, it's not really business oriented, but it's a podcast from Vox called The Weeds. Um, it's, you know, they dive into different subjects and just kind of break it down and analyze it. I'm a little bit of a nerd, so it's nice to you know, just see someone break down a subject that has nothing to do with what I'm doing and see the questions that they're asking and how can I take that same approach to my own problems, right? I really am a big believer in breaking out of my day-to-day -day routine and listening about other problems and learning how people are solving other problems and see how I can take that to solve my own. Last question I have for you, uh, Yvonne, is what kind of tech innovations do you predict we'll see in the near term, next year or so, and in the long term, five, 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, uh, I was really big on augmented reality prior to COVID. I mean, um, but now with people kind of staying at home, uh, you know, it's really interesting how that's kind of flipped the switch to more virtual reality as being kind of what I'm more uh, I guess, aggro about in terms of next steps and engagement. I, I felt like, you know, people organically like to engage in the real world, right? And that would be their preference. And I always kind of felt like the innovations and in augmented reality were going to outpace virtual reality. Um, but with people stuck at home, you know, maybe that switches. And with people working from home more often, maybe that switches in terms of which one uh, really progresses you know, as the kind of dominant engagement form factor. I mean, both are gonna exist, right? But, you know, I, I always felt like augmented technology was gonna outpace uh, virtual reality. Includes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Thank you.